0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. We'll now have a time of uh, scripture reading. So I'd like to encourage all of you to open up your Bibles. Today's passage is uh, Luke 13, verses 31 to chapter 14, verses 24. The passage will also be screened on the screen itself. Luke 13, beginning with verse 31. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that fell into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when the host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes, and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get to taste my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Good afternoon.
1: My name is Nick. It's good to see you here. Let's pray and ask God for his help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, may your spirit of illumination open our our eyes of understanding that we may rightly conceive your word, so we may have wisdom to apply, memory to retain, faith to believe, and grace to practice what your word says. In Jesus' name, Amen. Friends, what is your worst dining experience? What's your worst dining experience? I remember one time, I was eating a banana. So, I mean, normally I just eat a banana. But this time, I just, I, I bit it off and I just happened to look at it. And guess what I saw? Yes, I saw wriggly worms, like, staring back at me. Now, I mean, we, we all had our worst, I mean, we all had bad dining experiences. Uh, maybe you found strange things in your food. Now, another, another thing that messes up our dining experience is this. Eating with people who don't like us. See, people argue, people attack us with, with their words. So if we eat with them, we will straight away lose our appetite and we will stomp off. I wonder if you noticed in the Bible reading this just now. Jesus had a nasty uh, dining experience. See, the Jews together eating with Jesus, they, they were hostile to Jesus. Yet, Jesus stayed. Now, you might think, well, maybe I'm not as hostile to Jesus as these Jews. But the Bible tells us, the Bible shows us, that Jesus is the ruler over the universe. So as a ruler of the universe, he has a rightful claim over our lives. So when we say, I, I don't need Jesus in my life, I'm saying, I don't want the ruler of the universe in my life. And, there's a catastrophe awaits all hostiles to Jesus. Both to the Jews and to us today. Yet friends, because Jesus stayed at, this, stayed at this meal, there is hope. There's hope for the hostile Jew and there's hope for the hostile you and I. There is hope. And the hope is in this. Hope is Jesus' longing to save people who are unwilling to be saved. So that's why we've been looking at the first part of the passage. In chapter 14, we see an example of how unwilling the Jews are to be saved. Our passage begins with uh, a threat, a threat on Jesus' life. So if you look at me at verse 13, verse 31, At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. So, Friends, Herod is the local governor who ruled over Galilee during Jesus' time. So it's the, the part that's highlighted here. So in, in where we are in the book, Jesus is still in this region, in Galilee, and he's making his way to uh, Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, Jesus will be rejected, he'll suffer, he'll die, and then he'll rise again. So Jesus teaches those people who want to follow him, you must be also ready to lose your life now and gain your lives in future. So when Jesus was still in Herod's territory, he got news that the most powerful man in the region wants to kill him. Now how would you have felt if uh, you you were Jesus? Maybe scared? Maybe it's time to save my life now? Maybe hide for a while? Maybe postpone this Jerusalem mission until Herod has forgotten me? Is that what Jesus does? Look at verse 32. Verse 32. He replied, go and tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. and the third day, I will reach my goal. Does Jesus hide? No. The mission continues. Jesus will keep on doing his work today, tomorrow, and the third day until he reaches his goal. Jesus will not hide. He will keep on doing his work until he reaches Jerusalem. And what happens to him in Jerusalem? What does verse 33 tell us? Verse 33, in any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. So Jesus will die in Jerusalem. Now as a prophet, Jesus laments over Jerusalem. So you see this lament in verse 34. He grieves for Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you will kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hand gathers the chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jerusalem is guilty uh, of rejecting God's love. It's like you know, being a parent. So Imagine you are the parent and you tell your child not to jaywalk. And your child jaywalks. So when your child does that, when your child jaywalks, he rejects your loving words, a loving warning. In our passage today, Jesus is more than just a prophet. Jesus says, how often I have longed to gather you. So Jesus himself, Jesus is is God. Jesus himself wants to gather them as as a chicken, uh, gathers chicks under his wings to protect them as God. So this is something I learned this week. Hens do more than lay eggs and become the meat for my chicken rice. I learned that hands actually protect their chicks. Like this this picture, they protect the chicks from the rain under their wings. So Jesus used this picture uh, to to teach these people that he wants to protect them from judgment. So Jesus came as God to warn them, to warn them that you are in danger. You are in danger. Repent. Make that you turn turning away from rejecting God to following Jesus. But the people of Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem say no to Jesus' love. They want to come out of Jesus' wings of protection. They killed God's messengers. They killed John the Baptist. And later, they will even kill Jesus. But because they don't want Jesus to protect them, they will suffer, they will suffer judgment. As we went through a passage, I wonder if you hurt Jesus' heart. What did Jesus feel for these murderous rebels? Wrath? Anger? That's not here. Jesus felt love. Heartache. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How often have I longed to gather you, to gather your children together? This is Jesus' longing for rebels who don't want Jesus' protection. Not anger, loving grief. Jesus loves them, just longs to save them. So you keep doing his work to tell people to repent. You keep driving out demons, you keep preaching. Even Herod's death, even, even Herod's death threat cannot stop this mission. So that's what we see in Jesus' longing to save. In chapter 14, Jesus, uh, we see an example of how the Jews are unwilling to be saved. So these, these rebels are the, the ones who actually know God the best. So the Bible calls them Pharisees. The Pharisees they teach the Jews about God. So they have high standards for following Jesus, but they are unwilling to be saved. And they show their unwillingness in this in this ways. They say no to Jesus. They say yes to themselves because they say no to Jesus, yes to themselves so there's no banquet for them. So first, no to Jesus. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? A they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. So Jesus here was having dinner at a Pharisee's house. And the guest list is full of the most religious people. So, Sometimes they have theological debates like, how much work can we do on the Sabbath before it's actually considered work? You see, Sabbath is a day that God commanded his people to rest from work. To, en- to rest, to enjoy God's good provision from, from the fields, to enjoy that good relationship with God. But today, the agenda is not, it's not to debate. The agenda is to put Jesus on the spot. There's a man suffering from an abnormal swelling. Some call this abnormal swelling edema or dropsy. So I checked check this with some doctors in my Bible study group. Uh, so I, I, I texted them and asked, is it is edema or dropsy life threatening? And Dr. Daniel from my group says it depends. Edema can be caused by many different things, including a weak heart, weak kidneys, unhealthy liver, so on and so forth. Life threatening in itself, not so much, but it does point to some underlying health issues. And those are the ones that could be life threatening. Okay, so. I actually got a second opinion for, from Dr. Ben, and Dr. Ben said, "Okay, so this is correct." <laughs> okay, so this man here could have some serious health, underlying, uh, serious underlying health issues. So if he doesn't get treatment soon, he could die. So Jesus, is, so, but if Jesus heals the man, then the Pharisees will accuse Jesus of doing work on the Sabbath. So they will not let Jesus do work or to heal on the Sabbath. So they say no to Jesus. But Jesus continues and heals the man. And he gives us his reason in verse 5. Look at verse 5. What does Jesus say in verse 5? Then he asked them, if one of you has a child uh, or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? I remember my children, I have uh, falling and needing stitches. So the child is crying. Okay, so like this, this thing happened a few times. So the child is crying. There's blood everywhere. You feel frantic. Will he keep bleeding, is his brain damaged? Our friends, we didn't wait one day to, to get, go see the doctor and say, ah, sorry, I'm tired. It's late. You're going to sleep first. No. We brought him straight away to the clinic. We brought them straight away to A&E. So the Pharisee must have felt the same when their child or their ox fell, fell into the well. Well, and someone said someone said this what well, the Pharisee wouldn't shout down to the well son just hang on a few more hours till the Sabbath's over you can do it other people have had broken legs from such falls and live to tell about it well the, the child who fell into the in the well might have a broken leg or might be okay we don't know just just like this man here we don't know whether he has a serious health condition But. Even, so for the Pharisees, they would save the son even on the Sabbath. What about the man? They don't want him to be healed. Now for friends, some of us who have been going through the book of Luke, you will realize that this is the third time Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Three times Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Three times the religious leaders <clears throat> had a chance to accept that Jesus is from God. But three times they say, no. In our passage, they are just shamed into silence. They don't praise God for the healing. They still don't repent. They still say no to Jesus. They still refuse to believe that Jesus that God sends Jesus. They still reject him. But they were hostile, very hostile to Jesus. Now, Jesus could have left the party. He healed on Sabbath three times, but they still say no. What does Jesus do? Jesus stays at the party. He doesn't leave them. Jesus wants, just longs for them, just longs to, to tell them, to get them to repent. But just as the song says, if they repent, then the vilest offender who truly believes a moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. There's a chance for them. But they still say no to Jesus. The next you see, we'll see how the Jews love to say yes themselves. They desire greatness. So Jesus uses this desire, this desire for greatness, to teach them that true exaltation, true greatness comes from being humble. So it first tells the guest, humility first. Then it tells the host, exaltation later. Okay, so let's look at humility first. So at this party, the religious leaders were all competing to get the best seats, the most coveted seats. The seats to show you, uh, the seats that are most important in the room. It's just like if you go and watch a, a cinema, you don't want to all sit at the front row. You want to sit somewhere in the middle, where it's not too high up, not, not, too, not down the front, so you can see straight ahead and watch, enjoy the movie. Okay, so this book that I, that I read is called Selfie, Okay, so it's reflective like a mirror. Okay, so this, this selfie talks about research, about chimpanzee tribes. And this book tells me that uh, in every tribe, there's an alpha male. And under the alpha male, there's a hierarchy of uh, chimps under him. And the chimps under him are always scheming and plotting uh, to, to defeat the alpha male to get the top spot. And the author says that we are like that. Let me read to you from this passage. Yes. Uh, okay, there we go. What we share, what we share with the, chim- the chimps it's our preoccupation with hierarchy. We have this preoccupation because our tribes, like theirs, have hierarchies that are fluid, and alpha males reign usually less, less uh, usually last less than five years. This means we are constantly surrounded by intrigue and rumor, there are plots and victories, blood and drama. We are intensely interested in status, partly because that status has a high capacity to change. And also, I'm sure partly because we want to be the alpha male. So we are like that. So the people at the Pharisees, the Pharisees' house, they are like these monkeys trying to get the top spot. And friends, we are like that too. We want to be number one in our tribe, at school, at work, at church. Our people compete on successes, like like parents will compete on successes of the children's growth milestones, or how many musical instruments our children can play. The retirees will compete on the number of passport chops we have on our passports. And the problem of seeking honor now is that seeking honor now, the honor now doesn't last. See, verse 9, Jesus says, If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. And humiliated, you have to take the least important place. So instead of seeking honour now, seek seek to humble yourself before others. Verse 10 says, But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. You will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Humility first. Humility before exaltation. But when does this uh, exaltation happen? Well, Jesus has more to say uh, in verse 12, when he talks to the host. So, in, exaltation later. In, in verse 12, hosts uh, love to invite other people, they hope will invite them back. It's the law, because it's a law of reciprocity. So, if I invite you to my humble flat, uh, all the way in Trachukang, I hope that you will invite me to your Santosa Cove mansion. With a swimming pool with a, with a cinema a private cinema with the latest surround sound system just to binge watch our latest k-drama so Jesus says no instead the host should invite those who cannot pay him back the blind uh, the, the poor the crippled the lame the blind and if they do that verse 14 says Jesus says and you will be blessed for though they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This means exaltation doesn't happen here on earth. It happens later. It happens in future. It happens when Jesus comes back at the resurrection of the righteous. So when Jesus comes back, come, comes back again, you and I will be raised to life. So if you have believed in Jesus, you will, you'll will be raised to life, and you will enter the perfect new world that Jesus makes for us. But if you say no to Jesus, then you have no place in Jesus' perfect new world. Now, friends, in case I uh, in case I haven't said this, in case it wasn't clear, just serving the poor, just helping other people, but that doesn't grant you entry into the kingdom. You see, there cannot be two ways to enter God's kingdom. Well, one by repenting. You turning from your sins, the other by serving the poor. No, humbly serving the poor, humbly caring for others, that's part of repentance. It's part of following Jesus. Look with me a few pages back to chap- uh, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 22 and 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 22 and 23. Uh, if you're using this book, it's uh, page 80. Luke chapter 9, verse 22. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the, ch- the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and the third day raised to life. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross daily, and follow me. So Jesus, in verse 22, humbled himself by dying on the cross to protect us from judgment on him. Yeah, let, me, let's, let me do a comparison. Okay, so Jesus humbled himself by dying on the cross to protect us. After that, he was exalted. He rose from the dead uh, and rules the universe as God. He's the king of the perfect kingdom. And Jesus' self-denying death gives you and I the strength to follow him. To say, for us to say yes to Jesus, no to self. This is true humility. And for those of us who are truly humble, there is exaltation later. To be in Jesus perfect, King Jesus' perfect kingdom. Now what about the Jews? What did they think? They got it all mixed up. They want to chase glory now. So for them now, exaltation. Yes, a no to Jesus. Yes to self. That's why they are in danger of God's judgment in hell. Away from God. Away from all the good things. There are no good friendships in hell. There is no joy in hell. Now this is, the, this is the, the fate awaiting all who don't follow Jesus. Even for you and I today. My friends, Jesus doesn't want hell for anybody. Not for the Jews, not for you. Even when Jesus had a bad dining experience with the Jews, Jesus says, now Jesus, even, if, even if we say no to Jesus over and over again, Jesus still calls them, Jesus still calls us. To repent because Jesus longs to protect us from judgment. So, humble yourselves, humble yourselves now to be exalted, to be in Jesus' perfect future kingdom. The future kingdom where everyone will willingly obey Jesus as our loving King, our loving Master. And how, how do we follow Jesus' self denial now? You will humbly serve those who can't pay you back. Humbly serve those who pay, can't pay you back. So there are opportunities within BDPC to do that. So you might serve with the different groups uh, the missions come, tries to reach out to. Or maybe serve the children. Serve the youth. Well, I think the youth just had their youth camp. You can ask how tiring it was for the leaders. Help the needy in our midst. And some of us have made commitments when we did our generosity project last year. Maybe it's time to revisit some of those commitments. These are the outward actions that show the inward commitment to follow Jesus. To say humbly say, Yes, Jesus. And say no to yourself. So that you will, you will be repaid at the future resurrection of the righteous let's review what we've covered. So Jesus longs to save the unwilling Jews. His heart aches for sinners who don't want to repent. The unwilling people who say no to Jesus, who say yes to themselves, and are in danger of having no banquet. Verse 15, this is what someone says. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now everyone in the room wants to be at this future feast at the kingdom of God. Now this future feast uh, is a picture of heaven. Isaiah 25 uh, gives us uh, the background to this future heavenly banquet. So This is Isaiah 25. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meat, and the finest of wines, On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him. He saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. It's a magnificent party. Heavenly hospitality out of this world. On the menu for God's people are the best wines, and the best meats, even better than the one David sears for us at Men's Ministry. Even better than the, the food that you got at, at, the, at the egg, EGG. So, that's, that's for God. And what about for, that's for us? And for God, what's, what's His menu? His menu... Is death. God swallows up death. He swallows up the veil, he swallows up the shroud. Now what this means is, God will save his people from death at this feast. And God's people will enjoy their relationship with God for all time. This feast that never ends. And the Jews in the Pharisees house, they, they all want to be at this future feast. So they thought they all choked the place there. They all thought that they had their tissue paper firmly on the table. But Jesus teaches them that they are wrong. So Jesus gives them a story about a banquet, about a banquet, this mega eat-all-you-can buffet. So this is how the banquet works in those days. So first, the master will organize a party and and tell people, hey, you want to come to my banquet on this day? And the people will say, yes, I will come. So people will say, yes, yes, yes. And based on the number of yeses that he gets, he, he draws out a guest list, and the guest list, he knows okay, how, much, how much food he needs to prepare. So when the day of the banquet comes, the meat is slaughtered uh, and cooked, and the, guest, uh, sorry, and the master goes out to tell everyone who said yes the first time, and he says, come, the food is ready. And the, all the guests say, okay, I'm ready to eat. And in Jesus' parable, the first invite went out. People said yes. But what happened at the second invitation? They all said no. Verse 17. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who have been invited, Come, for everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married so I can't come. So they all give excuses. All don't come. Everything is ready but none of them come. All se, all fly his aeroplane. Not all of them make lame excuses. Please, let me do this, let me do that. All these are lame excuses, right? Who spends a lot of money on a field before checking it out? Who spends a lot of money on oxen before checking it out? And if you could just got married, well why not invite your wife to come along? If your wife doesn't want to come, it's okay, she can stay at home. You see, all the original guests don't want to be there. They're making lame excuses. All reject the master's hospitality, all say no to the master. So, what would the master do with all the extra space, all the extra food? Verse twenty one says that the master generally invites the people in the town, all who can pay back. The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Have they still got space? Then the master generally invites those outside the town. Go to the highways, go to the country lanes, invite everyone, grab them, bring them all in. My house must be full. This is generous hospitality. It's, it's like inviting complete strangers to your birthday party. Now, strangers not just from your block, it's from the next, next estate. Or even the next country. Now, why were the original guests not at this party? Because they said no to the master when everything was ready. Well, this means that some people will miss out on God's future feast in heaven. And the point of the parable comes at verse twenty-four. Verse twenty-four. So, for those of us using the ESV. You you have a footnote at the word you. So that that tells you that the you is plural. So now Jesus speaks. He's no longer Master speaking. Now Jesus is speaking. And he speaks. He looks in the eyes of all the guests in the room and he says, I tell you all. Not one of those who who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. My banquet. Jesus says that God's future banquet is Jesus' banquet. So to be at Jesus' future banquet, they must accept Jesus as the master. He must accept Jesus. But the Jews all said no to Jesus. They all, they all gave excuses. They all rejected Jesus, even though in this passage, in chapter 14, he just healed someone. And in chapter 13, even though he, Jesus longs to protect them from God's judgment, they all say no. They want heaven, but they don't want Jesus. But that's like you and I today. We want heaven. We want to get there our own way. We feel entitled to that future heaven. We feel like we don't need Jesus now. By verse 24, Jesus says that the future banquet is Jesus' banquet. The future kingdom is Jesus' kingdom. Heaven is Jesus' heaven. If if heaven is Jesus' heaven, do you think you can get in if you say no to Jesus now? No. Heaven is wonderful not, not just because we won't suffer, not just because we will live without dying. Heaven is wonderful because we will be with our loving King Jesus forever. So if you give excuses now, you will be excused from the kingdom of heaven. No entry for you in heaven. Where will you be if you are not in Jesus' heaven? You will be outside, suffering judgment in hell. You might give excuses now for not following Jesus. There's this exam that I must prepare for, otherwise my future is, is gone. So I can't follow Jesus. Or my friends and family say I can't follow so I don't follow, or I just don't feel like it, you know. So I can't follow. Now, passage is only the humble, it's only the despised that follow. It's only the people who say yes to Jesus, no to self, those who run to Jesus for protection. These are the ones who are, who will be exalted. These are the ones who will be at Jesus' heavenly banquet. So what do we learn about Jesus today? We learn that Jesus longs to save persistently unwilling sinners. Now, friends, I'm amazed at Jesus' longing for persistent sinners at this banquet. They give, these people in, the, in chapter 14 gave Jesus a dreadful dining experience. If I were Jesus, I would have stomped off long ago. But this horrid dining experience that can't stop Jesus' longing to save people. Longing to save persistent sinners. Sinners like them in our passage. Sinners like you and I. Friends, Jesus longs to save you. He wants the best for you. Today he invites you. Come, for everything is now ready. Jesus has gone down to Jerusalem. He died on the cross to save you from judgment. So say yes to Jesus. No to self. If you have been rejecting, rejecting Jesus for years, Jesus longs to save you. Come, for everything is now ready. If you have wrongly presumed on a sinner's prayer to, to choke your place in heaven, Jesus longs to save you. Come, for everything is now ready. If you have wrongly relied on your good works, to, or your good service to reserve your place in heaven, Jesus longs to save you. Come, for everything is now ready. No more excuses, or you will be excused. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please help us to respond rightly to Jesus' longing for us. May your Spirit work your word in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Thank you, Nick. Um, on the screen now, uh, some of the discussion questions that we will have. Uh, so the first is, uh, to, from today's passage, what, is, what does Jesus long for? The second question is, why is Jesus longing good news for us? And the third is, why does Jesus long, longing mean to me? Uh, let's take some time to discuss with your neighbors, and then uh, we'll come back here. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.